road you have. You're now tuned in to Marcus Reyes and just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darvetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, Far Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going well on your side of the galaxy. Nothing really all that new out here on the Outer Rim. Tatooine is still hot as can be, and Boba Fett is trying to find himself. Other than that, not much new. But I do have some news from across the galaxy, or at least from our little galaxy. Now this is kind of exciting. Guess who is making a grand appearance in the Star Wars universe? None other than iconic Steve Urkel himself, Jalil White. Yeah, he'll forever be known as his unforgettable time as a lovable nerd on Family Matters. But hold on to your lightsaber, cause this guy got more than just one suspender up his sleeve. Besides being the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog on TV. Yeah, you heard that right. Jaleel White has been popping up on all sort of shows. Psych, NCIS, Drunk History, Fresh Off the Boat. And if you're a fan of Adam Sandler's Netflix, you might have spotted him in Hustle. This dude has been keeping busy. But here's the real juicy news. Our man Jalil spilled the beans during an interview at an Oilers game. He let it slip that he is going to be in the new Star Wars TV show on Disney+. Get your hyperspace engines ready. The show is called Skeleton Crew, and it is set to premiere sometime before the end of 2023. And get those Wookiee masks ready for November or December. Now normally, Disney and Lucasfilms are as secretive as a Sith Lord with their up-and-coming Star Wars projects. But hey, it looks like they gave Jalil the green light to spill the space beans. Or maybe he just got a little too excited and jumped the gun. Who knows? Either way, the news is out there. And we know Mr. White is set to make an appearance in the Star Wars universe. And he's going to be a pirate. And he even mentioned spending two hours in makeup every day. Talk about dedication to your role. Now let's dive into some new Star Wars adventures called the Skeleton Crew. It is an Ambulance-style project cooked up by John Watson and Christopher Ford. It follows four kids that end up lost in the vastness of the galaxy and have to find their way back home. Imagine being stranded in space, yikes. During Star Wars Celebration, they treated fans to a sneak peek of the show. And guess who was lurking around? None other than Jalil's pirate character. The footage shows the young heroes running away from space pirates. Ahoy, mateys. I can already hear the yo-ho-ho echoing through the stars. Now we don't know much more about the plot just yet, like how it connects to other Star Wars shows like The Mandalorian and Ahsoka. It's like keeping a Death Star blueprints under lock and key. But don't worry, I'll keep my eyes peeled for more info on Star Wars Skeleton Crew and all the space shenanigans that Jalil White's alien character will be involved in. So let the countdown to intergalactic awesomeness begin. Okay, now let's get back to Brotherhood. Because when we left off last week, Mill is having a little bit of trouble dealing with the pain, being around all them injured people and stuff. Anakin realizes that all the Nymordians might not be bad. They do get the data from the data banks, but they can't send it out just yet. And Obi-Wan tries to convince Rue to go with them. She will get amnesty in the New Republic, but she refuses to offer. She will stay on Kato, Nymordia, and fight. So let's jump back into the story and find out what's happening now. Obi-Wan Kenobi. There was a brief moment in the relationship between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn when the apprentice went behind his master's back as he searched for his true path forward. A brash young Padawan at the time, so insistent on following the Jedi Code that he bristled at Qui-Gon's hesitation regarding a treaty with the unscrupulous Zerka Corporation and the planet Pygel. Hesitation created by Qui-Gon's own moral compass. In the end, years later, 
Obi-Wan understood his old master's objections. Something where balancing right and wrong, good and bad, failed to produce a clear outcome. He was pretty sure that Anakin's defiance of the Jedi Code right here did not fall into the category of moral compass. Because Anakin didn't acknowledge it or defend it. He did, however, fail miserably at hiding it. Obi-Wan sensed everything as soon as Anakin said mid-rim. In circumstances like this, he usually prefaced any conclusions with questions, internal or otherwise, and allowed things to fully play out. But in this moment, he didn't need to. The surge of emotion that came with those words was enough for Obi-Wan to understand the situation. And it had little to do with the strategy for transmitting the data to the Republic or the possibilities of Rug's decisions. Everything here connected to thoughts about Padme Amidala. The way that Anakin managed to steer the mission over to her. Was that his intention this whole time? Or did he take advantage of the situation whenever he could? Or perhaps it was a mere coincidence that Padme really was the best choice here. She was accessible, and securing a trusted transmission route to Coruscant was the top priority. R2-D2's projection lamp lit up, and the glowing figure of Padme Amidala appeared. Despite the bright colors of the hologram, her exquisite purple dress's finely detailed copper embroidery was still distinct, but Padme herself presented more casually. With curly hair down, no overcoat, and only a simple gold pendant with a metallic spiral design. Annie, it's... Though the image stood only as tall as a lightsaber hilt, her transformation was clear. Her head tilted slightly, as if identifying the people standing around Anakin flipped a switch. Master Skywalker, she said, her voice shifting into formality. Senator Amidala, Anakin said, returning the professional tone of her speech. Obi-Wan chose not to look directly at Anakin, instead judging his reactions and expression through a distorted mirror on a reflective piece of metal from the data center's console. But even though Anakin spoke in a low monotone, his mouth kept finding a smile, and his eyes failed to hide anything. We have urgent data to send to you. We are at a secured location on Cato Neimoidia and transmissions to Coruscant are blocked. Senator, Obi-Wan said, keeping up the guise of formality for the conversation. This is self-deleting data. You will need to capture it in permanent form, then transmit it to the Jedi Council for analysis. We believe this information can be vital to de-escalating the war, and perhaps convincing either the Trade Federation or the Separatists to enter negotiations. He looked at Rug before continuing. Perhaps both. C-3PO stumbled into view. Oh, Master Anakin and R2-D2. Among my capabilities is the ability to capture image or text data into a permanent format capable of download by any standard secure Republic system. Though I usually use this for translation of memos sent in non-basic languages as they are streamed in transmission. It can be applied here. It may require... Thank you, 3PO. Yes, Master Kenobi, we can handle this information. 
Anakin began explaining the technical aspects of what they needed, which got the practical part of the job done. But his feelings were clear, so much that Obi-Wan didn't need to watch the reflection to sense them. Being in the room was enough. Despite how they dressed up their words, Padme's reactions broke enough from her usual stoic formality to inform the situation. Her gift for disciplining herself in the name of diplomacy exhibiting a hairline fracture in front of them. Up close, their bond became clear even as they tried to hide it. For the uninitiated, that deception would have worked. But he knew Anakin well enough to read his every movement. That, in turn, reflected on Padme. Another epiphany soon dawned on Obi-Wan. It also reflected on himself. For all the stubbornness, the arguments, the subtle disdain that they sometimes had for each other, a new form of Anakin was emerging. Something more authentic and human coming through since his promotion. Their conversation still manifested as competition, but rather than trying to step on each other, they'd made a subtle turn to verbal one-upmanship. All it took was leaving behind the bond of master and apprentice. For a moment, Obi-Wan's mind drifted from the mission, a volley of relentless questions whipping through. Was Anakin like this because Obi-Wan tried too hard to live up to Qui-Gon's dying request? If he had been more like Qui-Gon and less like what he thought a Jedi mentor should be, would Anakin have such defiance in him? As Anakin and Padme oversaw the data upload, Obi-Wan finally identified the strange feeling in him, something so rare and foreign that it took a barrage of questions and the weight of self-doubt to recognize. Regret. Qui-Gon had occasionally revealed his own questions and insecurities, even turning down a seat on the Jedi Council to remain Obi-Wan's teacher. Yet did it ever coalesce into something quite like this? But, as he'd been trained since he was a youngling, Obi-Wan let the feeling go, allowing it to evaporate into nothing, rather than stifling it down into a scar that might fester. He faced new questions as he watched the subtle exchanges between Anakin and a holographic Padme. The way the young Jedi Knight allowed a smile to break through over something as benign as 70% uploaded. The way the former Queen of Naboo held her gaze much longer than she should have. And the way Anakin's feelings radiated outward, as if his heart were a sun heating the entire data center. What might he learn from this moment? about Anakin, about himself, about their time as master and apprentice, about how things needed to move forward, one way or another. The last few days only reinforced Anakin's overwhelming willingness to simply care. That caring someday might make the difference between life and death, a right decision and a wrong decision stemming from a mere blink of emotion. Earlier that day, the situation with Kitar would have been vastly different in a manner of seconds. In war, seconds might define the fate of the galaxy. The status bar on the screen crept to full before flashing several times as confirmation. I see it, Padme said. 
3PO and I will begin processing it. We'll contact you once we're off Cater Namordia, Anakin said. This time he angled himself away from watching eyes, though his reflection gave away that he'd saved a soft look for the Senator. Understood, Master Skywalker, she said, an intentional monotone, worthy of her time as Queen of Naboo, under all of the makeup and headdresses. Her image faded away, and R2-D2 disconnected from the terminal with his usual chatter. That's right, R2, Anakin said. Let's head out. Wait. Rogue held up a hand, the surveillance blocker in her palm. There's something I need to do. She pulled the sniper rifle off her back and lodged it into her shoulder with her other hand, her thumb flipping a switch on the side. Servos and actuators whirred inside the weapon, the barrel withdrawing to a length of a standard action rifle. What is this? Anakin said, his instincts getting the better of him. The young Jedi's blue lightsaber came to life, its glow filling the dimly lit archive. Wait, Obi-Wan said. Lower your weapon. Rogue, are you taking us in? We are still on opposite sides. It's important to remember that. Rue blinked, the red of the terminal screens reflecting off her green skin as much as Anakin's blade. I am not taking you in, but I need it to look like I tried. What are you talking about? Anakin said, an impatience growing in his tone. I'm staying here. I am an active guard, but Kita will identify me as a traitor. My best chance at avoiding execution so I can keep fighting for Nemodians is to fight you. Rogue, you are my friend. I respect your crusade. I do not wish to fight you, Obi-Wan said. If you respect what I stand for, then I need you to face me in battle now. She lifted the surveillance disabler. I'm going to turn the surveillance system back on. And then Ketonemordia will see me defend the data center. You will overpower me and escape. We need to make it look good. Obi-Wan had just lectured Anakin about impossible choices. Raising his lightsaber against Rube was yet another one. I understand. But if we do this, I will be the one. Anakin and the youngling should head to the ship. Agreed. Rogue looked up and around, presumably at security systems and surveillance cams embedded into the walls, things that only a native Maimoidian with commando training would understand and expect. You should go, she said to Anakin. I'll catch up, Obi-Wan said, giving Anakin a nod. Mel, is the way clear? Yes, Master, she called out as she perched by the exit. Let's hurry, Anakin said. He stepped forward, the tails of his dark tunic whipping out behind him as he moved to the door, only pausing to catch Mel at a standstill. But she wasn't petrified by fear or other people's suffering. Instead, wistful eyes sat over a quiet smile on her face. You're a good person, she said to Rug. I can feel it. Young Ling, I hope you have many years knowing much more than this war. We will try to make that happen, Obi-Wan said, pulling out his lightsaber. 
Anakin took Mill's hand, the security door sliding open to let them out, followed by R2-D2 rolling as fast as possible. If we see each other again, it may be on the battlefield. A heavy exhale came from Rook, something that carried enough weight to break her soldier stance, if just for a second. If that does happen, then at least it'll be honorable. But let's hope cooler heads are listening. All Obi-Wan could do at this point was nod. I am ready. For independence, said Rook, her thumb flicking a side switch on her rifle's grip. A high-pitched hum came from the weapon, indicating that its firing chamber had hit maximum charge. Obi-Wan flexed his fingers over his lightsaber hilt, then whirled it into a ready position. His right hand high behind him, while the blade lay parallel to the floor. The heat from it palpable against his cheeks. His weight rested on his back foot, and his left arm extended fully. Two fingers out for precise balance. For the Republic. A click sound echoed off the archive walls as Rube reactivated the surveillance system. I didn't really care for this part. It was informational. It shows us that Obi-Wan knew something was going on with Anakin and Padme, but did nothing to stop it. And then it left us on a cliffhanger. But other than that, it was kind of boring. And that's all I have to say about this part. So let's move on to the quote for this week. And it came to us from an unknown source. Some say that Booker T. Washington said it because he had several quotes that are similar, but I couldn't find the evidence that he or anyone else said it. So we are just going to have to leave it as unknown. And unknown said, Success is not measured by the acolytes we receive, but with the dedication we use to reach success. True success is not about how much money you make, how many awards you win, or how many people know your name. It's about how much you dedicate yourself to your dreams. It's about the hard work, the long hours, and the never giving up attitude that it takes to achieve your full potential. George Lucas is a great example of somebody who embodies this quote. He had a dream of making a movie that would change the world. He worked on his dream like a wild man and he was eventually able to make Star Wars. And as we know, Star Wars was a huge success, and it made George one of the most famous and successful filmmakers in the world. However, Lucas never forgot about the hard work and the dedication it took to get there. He once said, I think the key to success is to have a dream and never give up on it. George's story is an inspiration to us all. It shows us that anything is possible if we are willing to dedicate ourselves to our dreams. It also shows that success is not about the acolytes we receive, but about the journey we take to get there. George has billions of dollars and still wears regular jeans and flannel shirts every day. So don't get caught up in that game, the game that I want to be rich and famous. Find something that you love to do, work as hard as you can to be the best at it, and everything else will fall into place. Okay, that's all I have for this episode. Join us next week for part 48 of Star Wars Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Swaycast Networks. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>